Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Would you put your hands together and welcome everyone who's joining us online today. I want you to know that we do love you. We do appreciate you. And if you're ever in the area, we want you to come check us out one Sunday at 9.30 or 11 o'clock. Now I need you to turn your Bible to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. What we're going to be talking about today will apply to every single person in this room, although we're going to use it from a story that focuses on a mother in Scripture, a mother who is in distress, a mother who is at her wit's end, a mother who feels like she's done everything she can do, but yet it just seems like it's not enough. The Bible says in 2 Kings 4, starting in verse 1, now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but The creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured As she poured, they brought the vessels to her. And when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons live off the rest. This morning, as I was reflecting on Mother's Day and specifically about my mom, a verse of scripture found in Proverbs, the 31st chapter, jumped out to me and it says, she is clothed with strength and dignity. And as I begin to think about my mom's life and and all the stuff that we've been through in life, I realize that my mom knows what it's like to walk through hell, yet to still look like heaven. She knows what it's like to be behind closed doors with her heart broken and have all kinds of pain and worry and fear. Yet when she leaves the room, she leaves with her head held high, with her makeup fixed, her hair done, dressed to the nines. And I wonder how many of you ladies in the room have ever felt that place of desperation where you don't know what to do and you feel like you don't have enough, you feel like you're not enough, but in those moments you begin to strengthen yourself in the Lord and when you leave, you leave with a new strength and a new dignity. And I began to think about my mom and I realized that that strength and dignity did not come from herself, but it came from that time where she would set herself before the Lord. 
See, it's okay to break down. It's okay to become an emotional wreck, but take it and get before God and allow him to bring strength, allow him to clothe you and dignity so that when you leave the room, you leave the room different. Because every time you come into the presence of God, you'll leave a little bit different. And I remember my mom as a kid sitting behind the piano with one hand on the keys, one hand raised to heaven with tears streaming down her face while she worshiped God. I remember the moments where my mom would call my brother and I to her bedroom and we would get down on our knees on the carpet and we would begin to pray and we would begin to intercede and we would begin to cry out to God, not now I lay me down to sleep, but we would actually touch heaven with our prayers. And as I reflected on those moments, I realized that that's where the strength comes from. That's where her help comes from. She knew that she didn't have enough. She knew that she couldn't do it by herself. She knew if she would try to do it by herself, she would fail. But if she could come to God, her ever-present help, he would lift her head. He would clothe her with that strength. He would clothe her with that dignity. And he would give her what she needed to keep on moving. And that's what we're seeing playing out right here in 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. This woman is in a desperate situation place her husband is gone the man that she intended to spend the rest of her life with the the man she intended to grow old with is gone and now she's left to raise these kids all on her own no help no support no one to fall back on because her husband's gone and to make matters worse his debt has now become her dilemma. How many of you have ever had to carry a problem that what you're not the source of that problem? And that's this woman. She couldn't help it. It's not her fault that her husband died. It's not her fault that they have the debt, but now she's having to carry the load and she doesn't know what to do. And everything she tries to do falls short and it is not enough. And the problem is when things seem to not be enough in our life, what we do is we oftentimes self-reflect and we start thinking, well, maybe it's because I'm not enough. Maybe, maybe everything's falling apart because I'm not good enough. Maybe things are going crazy because I'm not strong enough or I'm not smart enough or I don't have enough resources. Maybe... My marriage is falling apart because I, I don't have enough. Maybe this person walked out of my life because I'm not enough. And we play these scenarios in our head and we get more and more and more desperate. I'm not enough, but I'm here to tell you, you are more than you realize. You have more than you can ever think or imagine because God has placed some power inside of you. God has, oh, I feel God. He's placed strength and worth and dignity and greatness inside of you. He's got the oil there. The oil is there. And the first step to recovery is recognition. 
recognizing what God has placed in me, recognizing that before he formed me in my mother's womb, he placed something there. He placed some oil. He placed some purpose. He placed some destiny. And I I don't care how far or how bad things get. When I know that there's some oil, I know that there's some hope. Elisha says, well, what do you got? And her first response is nothing. I don't have anything. I don't have what it takes. But then she says, you know what? The other day I was going to the pantry. I was going to make some hotcakes. And I came across this little jar of oil. And Elisha says, that's enough. God can work with that. Let me tell you, you may feel insignificant. You may feel like you don't have enough, but the thing that God has placed inside of you, when he puts it in his hand, he says, that is more than enough. The problem is you're looking at your life as a little jar of oil and God is seeing it as an overflow and an abundance. We look at our life as an insignificant seed. We look at it and we go, oh, that's just a seed. But when God looks at it, he sees an apple orchard. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's all about our perspective and our recognition, recognizing that we all have value and we all have some oil. And if we'll just bring it to God and place it in his hands and say, God, I don't know what you can do with it. I don't know what you can do with this little bit of oil, but step back and watch him work. He is more than enough. So you don't have to be enough. It's not up to you. You don't have to be enough. You don't have to have enough because he's more that enough, and listen to me, he is all that you need. You don't need anything else to fulfill you. You don't need a man to fulfill you. You don't need a woman to fulfill you. You don't need children to fulfill you. You don't need an earthly mother to fulfill you. You don't need an earthly father to fulfill you. All you need to know is the source, and he is a good good father and he loves you and he can take you and he can do amazing things with you and through you but here's the key you can't allow the facts to affect your faith let that sink in you can't allow the facts to affect your faith you can't allow what you see going on around you to determine what you will believe for you. The fact is, this woman is desperate. The fact is, her husband is gone. The fact is, her children are going to become the slaves of someone else to pay the debt they owe. Those are the facts. The fact is, she doesn't have enough. She put the GoFundMe on Facebook and nobody responded. She does not have what it takes to bring a solution. That's the facts. Yet she digs in. She digs in and says, I'm not going to allow the facts to determine my faith. Because I remember my husband used to hang out with this guy, Elisha. And Elisha knew God. And I've heard about the miracles. I've heard about the power. And I just think that if I can go talk to him, that maybe, just maybe, that same God that did something for them can do something for me. I'm not going to allow the facts to affect my faith. I, I don't ignore the facts. See, some people think with faith you just ignore the facts. Like you got a head cold and you go, I don't have a head cold. No, sister, you got a head cold. It's okay to 
understand the facts, but I never allow the facts to determine how my faith is going to operate. Because how many of you know God doesn't follow our rules? His facts mean nothing to us. See, we look at the sky and we go, that sky out there is blue. God says it's whatever color I say it is. We look at that oil and we say it's just a little bit of oil. And God says it is whatever I say it is. We look at our life and we think it's insignificant that it doesn't matter and and we feel overlooked, but God says, I see you and I see the potential inside of you. I see what you can be. Never allow your fear or facts to affect your faith. Think about all the stories through scripture where Moses comes to the Red Sea. Fact is, it's uncrossable. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they come to a fiery furnace. Fact is, it's hot. It's so hot that the guards, when they just get near it, they die. That's the fact. Yet God steps in the middle of that fiery furnace. God splits the Red Sea. And I just choose to believe this morning. And I think that there's some people in here that just choose to believe with me that it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what the circumstance or the situation looks like. It doesn't matter even what it seems like you have that God can move on your behalf. But it takes faith and recognizing what is there and placing it in the hands of a mighty God. God has no limits. So you and I are limited. God has no limits. He takes women in scripture that are barren and says, you shall conceive. But it's impossible, God. Think about Abraham and Sarah. That's impossible. Fact is, I'm barren. Fact is, I'm getting old, and for those of you that don't know, there is a prime time in life to have kids, and there is a time that that season is gone. But God says, I do what I want because I am God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But here's the key to that. You've got to wait on his season because there is a time and a season for everything. So you've got to wait. You've got to have not only the faith that he can, but you've got to have the trust that he will in the right time. If I do not faint, if I do not give up, if I do not back off, God will move. Did you know they told my mom she could not have children? As a matter of fact, they told her that it was physically impossible for her to have children. The reason is, is because her first pregnancy ended terrible. My dad got home, found her laying on the floor in her blood. He takes her to the hospital. They have to perform an emergency procedure on her. They remove certain parts of her body to where she can physically have no children. They tell her, you'll never have children. Impossible. They tell her, you should start taking birth control so that when things happen on the monthly cycle, you'll think, oh, it's because I'm taking birth control, and you won't think about the fact that you'll never have kids. But God said, I'm going to give you three boys. Why? Because nothing's impossible with God. Never allow. Are you hearing this? I'm standing here today because her faith was not affected by the facts. When when my mom was, was, was pregnant with me, she was praying and God said, you'll have him naturally, but there will be complications. 
She goes to, to have me. The doctors start freaking out. There's complications. I'm turned the wrong way. They're going to perform an emergency C-section. But she heard the word that God said that I would be, there would be complications, but everything would be okay. My father laid his hand on my mom's stomach, and he said, turn around. And immediately when he said it, I flipped around, and I came out. That's the God I serve. You wonder why I praise? You wonder why I dance? Because I know who he is. I understand what he does, and I don't care what the fact is. My fact is God is in control, and he does what he pleases. So give me your facts all you want. I've got faith. I don't care what I see in the natural. I believe that God is in control. And not only am I not going to allow the facts to determine or affect my faith, but I'm not going to allow the facts to affect my future. Come on, somebody. Some of you are allowing the facts to affect your now and your future. This happened to me, so I am this way now, and it's always going to be this way. You've got to learn how to walk through hell and look like heaven. You've got to learn how to come to the valley of the shadow of death and say, I'm not going to stay here. I understand that I'm here now, that's the fact, but I'm going to keep on moving. And as long as I keep on moving and I know that God is with me, that God will never leave me, that he will never forsake me, he has me by the hand and he is leading me to greener pastures. So I can't stop here because I've got some green grass I'm headed towards. It's hard to say when you're in the middle of the desert though. That's, that's where you've got to awaken yourself to understand who you are, that I am a child of the most high God. And when you don't feel like praying, you got to pray. When you don't feel like worshiping, you got to worship. The desert's tough, but if you'll keep on moving, you'll get through. A few years ago, we went, my wife and I, she was pregnant with our first child. We didn't even know it. And we did, how many miles did we do that week? Like 3,000, 3,500 I think we were averaging like 300 miles a day on a motorcycle. We flew out to, if you wonder why Stella's a little bit, that's why. Uh, I'm just kidding. We, we flew out to Las Vegas, and from Vegas, we we're going to go up into California, but we had to go through Death Valley. There's a reason they call it Death Valley, because you feel like you're going to die. Even on a motorcycle, it felt like you were in an oven. You felt like your face was cooking. The first gas station, which it was few and far between, the first gas station we stopped at, I bought a bag of ice. I took my shirt off, put it in the ice, dumped ice in my helmet. I mean, we were wearing the camel packs with water. I mean, it was, it was, it was hell. But we kept on moving. See, if we would have stayed there, we would have died there. If we would have said the pressure's too much, the, the heat's too hot, I don't feel good, we would have stayed there and we would have died, but we kept on moving. And the landscape started changing. And all of a sudden, we started winding through these small hills that got bigger and bigger. And the cool air came. And then you saw the snow on the mountains. And it happened because we kept on moving. We didn't park in the process. What am I trying to tell you today? Don't park in the process. Yes, we go through valleys, but we don't have to camp out there. That's the problem with so many people. We get in the valley and we set up a tent. And we talk about how bad it is. 
And we magnify the problem and the issue, not realizing if we'll just keep on moving. I may not have the strength to make it 10 more days, but I got the strength to make it one more day. And as I step in faith and I keep on moving and keep on believing, then I realize that God will give me the step to take next. And I just keep on going. My story doesn't have to end here. Your story doesn't have to end where you are. It's up to you. You get to make the choice. We're calling this new series that we're going into Groundwork. Because last week I mentioned the fact that we're all dirt. That's where we come from. But something amazing happens when seed is planted in dirt. It sprouts forth. And I realize if I'm dirt and seed produces, then I get to choose what seed I will allow to be planted in my life. And I choose what seed will be uprooted in my life. I choose what weeds will be pulled. You get to determine that today. Win, lose, succeed, fail. Victory, defeat. You decide. God says, I've given you the potential. I've given you the oil. You can either recognize it or you can reject it. But I choose, for me, I choose to just hold on and believe it doesn't matter how bad it looks right now. You've walked through hell, but you still look like heaven. I talked to you on the phone and the times that you've gone through things that are unimaginable and you say, it is well. It is well. Oh, if we could all say that, Paul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It is well. Father, today I pray for every person watching online. I pray for every person in this place. Lord God, that you would touch them in a mighty and a powerful way, that you would fill them, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them. Lord, instill within them a new hope a new strength, a new desire to live and to live for you. In Jesus' name.